I got to tell you, uh, in our studios this morning, every switch that can potentially be turned on has been turned on. You've heard them all this morning. And I apologize for the falderal, but technology gets messed up sometimes. And sometimes technology is our best friends. And we're going to move forward right now for the rest of the show today. And our approach is going to be technology is our friend. Hi there, and welcome to a brand new week at TNN Live, and I hope you had a wonderful weekend. I hope everything went your way, and I hope that you had a lot of time to spend with others. Friends, family, we had a, we had a really good thing that happened last night. Our son-in-law, Scott, we celebrated his birthday. It doesn't seem like he's old enough to be Corey, our youngest daughter's husband, And they have twin daughters that are just about to enter their senior year in high school. That just doesn't seem possible. I'm not that old. Marianne might be that old, but I'm not that old. Just kidding. Just kidding. You know, time flies. Heard that my whole life. Never really understood it until, for me, time began to fly. (laughs) And uh, that's what it's doing. But we have an amazing family. Our group of people, all different personalities, but all, all are one. We're united together for all the causes that families are united for. Uh, I've been getting texts this morning that our show, the sound is breaking up. Somebody else text me right now if you're hearing the same thing that we're getting a couple of of people that are saying is happening because we're hearing what we're hearing is normal. Everything is okay. We had glitches. Don't get me wrong. I know we had glitches. Um, But it sounds on air like me that everything's okay. Let me hear from you. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Or give me a call, 318-470-2879. I don't want to get started moving forward unless we've got everything shipshape here. Things happen. You know, electronics and internet stuff. And you got to remember the process of streaming a live show from anywhere on the planet. You've got to create it in whatever studio or computer you're using. You've got to create the audio. Then you have to have the software, the right software, that will convert what you're doing on your laptop or on your desktop computer. It converts it into MP3 format. That's the format that you get your iTunes songs in, that you play on your iPhone, MP3. And then we enter that signal into a stream, an internet stream that goes to, in the format correctly converted to, to our satellite company up in Seattle, Broadcast Matrix. 
Now, how does it get there? This is the part of technology that just blows my mind. It gets there by bouncing. It actually bounces from northwest Louisiana. It bounces up to a satellite, then downloads from that satellite in Dallas. That signal is then relayed again, going up, hitting another satellite, and then downloading in Seattle. And then the biggie, Broadcast Matrix, beams that signal to 92 different countries. And so we have people overseas, Asia, the Middle East, Europe, South America, all hearing this show. Now, there is a little bit of a delay, and that's because it takes a little bit to bounce up to a satellite, to bounce down, then back up to another satellite, and then down again, and then bounced up to be broadcast in 92 different countries. Technology is simply amazing. But it works. Just got a note. Sounds good now. Thank you, Marianne. (laughs) Wow. Anyway, over the weekend, there were so many truths that began to be revealed. We've got some of those this morning. In fact, we've we got a bunch of them this morning. And some of them have to do, uh-oh, with Hunter Biden. Oh, my gosh. Hunter Biden. And then we have the president's budget that he threw out there last week. It's being dissected by experts. And one of those experts is Louisiana U.S. Senator John Kennedy, one of the greatest spokesmen of, the, of our time, no question about it. But he also is able to put things back together, put them in uh, language that you and I can understand pretty well. You're going to hear from him. Another representative from uh, New York, Maliotakis, she weighs in about Dr. Fauci. Oh, my gosh. This is the same song we're hearing verses after verses. No, it's new stuff. It's new stuff. And guess what's happening? The truth, the truth is coming out. Isn't that a novel idea? And then there's something that happened over the weekend that I thought was pretty cool. The number one song in the nation, the number one song in the nation this weekend and this morning. What is it? Hmm. Listen to this. This is number one and Apple Music today. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And to the republic for which it stands, and the rock is 
nation, under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. The song is very obvious. That is a version of the Star Spangled Banner. But who's doing that? Obviously, you heard former President Trump weighing in and giving, verbalizing the national anthem. But that choir behind him, that was a choir of people that are in jail today. Some have been convicted, but still others of that group have been in jail for a long, long time for allegations made against them regarding the January 6th rioting. Those are the men and women, mostly men, that are in jail. Number one in Apple Music today, the Star Spangled Banner. Wow, that's a gut-wrenching thought to think that these people, and every day it, it, it comes out, New evidence comes out that exonerates them for any illegality, almost all illegality, but nothing on the order that would justify putting these people in prison. And especially some being in prison for more than a year, some two years, never being tried. What happened to the guarantee in the U.S. Constitution of a quick trial? Our forefathers came over from Europe where it was common practice. The ruling class, the kings, and their minions, they would throw people in prison and forget about them for months and months, years and years. No formal charges, no trials. Our forefathers left Europe, came here, and established the United States of America and promised us all liberty and justice for all, justice included, a speedy trial, a way and a right to present evidence that can possibly exonerate us to make sure that every person that is charged with a crime has competent counsel to represent them in a trial when it happens. All of this is under fire. The very fiber of that in our U.S. Constitution that was guaranteed to everybody, not just native-born citizens, but if you step foot on the United States soil, you're guaranteed justice will be meted out fairly to everybody. Now think about that. We have millions of illegals that have been coming in this nation, especially over the last couple of years under this president, every one of them. They are guaranteed constitutionally that they'll receive a free and fair trial where evidence will be presented both on their behalf and on the part of the government that is charging them for breaking laws. Equal justice under the law. Not getting that right now. 
And nobody can credibly say that that is what is happening today in our government. It's just not. It's just not. And that, my friends, is the epitome of evil. That is the epitome of evil. I don't know who is calling me right now. Hmm. Oh, well. We've got technological problems. I told you that. And uh, we're going to deal with that and get through it as we go along. But we are back on the air. And uh, we are going to move forward. Um, you know, I'm thinking about where to go first this morning. Why don't we do this? Let's go to the West Coast. Let's go to this craziness that's happening on this bank failure. And the fact that the Biden administration are trying to mitigate it, trying to cover it up a little bit by telling us, oh, everything's going to be okay. And then at the same time saying, well, you know, we're going to maybe have to step in and make sure that this doesn't happen across the board. There's so much uncertainty. And I personally think part of the technology problem we had at the opening of the show has to do with nationwide. This is the way that everything functions and operates electronically. Online, banks, everything that happens at your bank, moving money around, when you make an online deposit, when you transfer money, wire transfer money, and big corporations and big banks move money around electronically. We're in the middle of that process, right snap dab in the middle of it. TNN Live, Truth News Network is part of that. But somebody weighed in when a bank issue was happening way back some years ago. Former Representative Barney Frank, remember him, Democrat from Massachusetts? He is the author of the 2010 Dodd-Frank bill. And guess what? Barney Frank sat on the board of Signature Bank SBV, that bank that imploded last week, the Treasury, the Federal Reserve, FDIC, they announced in a joint statement yesterday they have a plan to manage the fallout of SVB's collapse, as well as the demise of another bank, Signature Bank. Now listen to what they said. I'm going to give you a quote. See if this makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Today, we are taking decisive actions to protect the U.S. economy by strengthening public confidence in our banking system. This step will ensure that the U.S. banking system continues to perform its vital roles of protecting deposits and providing access to credit to households and businesses in a manner that promotes strong and sustainable economic growth. Their statement went on. We are also announcing a similar systemic risk exception for Signature Bank in New York, New York, which was closed today, yesterday, by its state chartering authority. All depositors of this institution will be made whole, as with the resolution of Silicon Valley Bank, no losses will be borne by the taxpayer. Now let me ask you this, how can our government, how can they do this It's a private bank, Signature Bank, SVB, 
All the deposits were put in by corporations and individuals. And I wonder how much of the United States money happened to be at SVB and Signature Bank. Probably some there. But how can they make these promises? No losses will be borne by the taxpayer. I don't want to scare you, but let me just tell you this. If they are going to guarantee what they just told us, that no losses will be borne by the taxpayer, the only way that can happen is if the government steps in. Who's the government? You and me. We're the government. They can't say we're going to guarantee that none of these losses will be borne by the American public. They cannot credibly make that statement because there's nobody else out there that has the ability nor the right nor the obligation to step in and put enough cash in either one of these banks to guarantee what they just said yesterday. Now, what's this signature bank thing? We heard about SBB. Oh, it was all over the news all weekend long. Well, Signature Bank, it got really popular among crypto companies, provided deposit services for its clients' digital assets, but did not make loans collateral advice, been, according to Fox Business. So before the SBB collapse last week, Signature Bank said it had been trying to limit these kinds of deposits and they pledged it was in a well-diversified financial position and had limited digital assets-related deposit balances in the wake of industry developments. We want to make it clear again that Signature Bank is well-diversified, full-service commercial bank with more than two decades of history, solid performance serving middle market businesses. That came from Signature Bank's co-founder, and CEO Joseph DiPaolo. We have built a strong reputation serving commercial clients through nine business lines and reached in excess of $100 billion in assets by continually executing our single point of contact relationship-based model where banking teams are capable of meeting all client needs, he added. Nah, 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 nah. It's nothing but air. What's going on here? I got a ton of text and emails over the weekend. And I'm going to try to find one that is really salient in this conversation. I just remembered that I got some uh, I got some very very significant information. You know, the internet's really really good. It, it is absolutely misused. It's abused but it's a great way to find out things. And especially when you have people that kind of know what's going on or really know what's going on in our lives and you're able to access good information. We don't hear all the time the facts that we really should be hearing. This came from a friend who is a co-founder of Bowflex. Remember that company? Just some information. There's more than $22 trillion in the U.S. banking system. 
That's all the dollars all collectively deposited in various accounts in various banks and other types of financial institutions, $22 trillion. The FDIC that insures all this money, right? You know, they're the government entity that makes sure everything's okay. Okay, you've got $22 trillion that is formally deposited in banks. The FDIC, who guarantees all that, has $124.5 billion on its balance sheet and a $100 billion line of credit from the U.S. Treasury. FDIC's guaranteeing all that stuff, right? But they only have, collectively with their line of credit, money they can borrow, and what they have on their balance sheet, 124 and a half on its balance sheet now with the ability to borrow another $100 billion. So that gives them a total of $224.5 billion that they can come rescue all the banks, one or 20 or 30. They don't have enough assets to do it. $22 trillion is the total amount of so-called deposits in the U.S. banking system. The FDIC assets cover only one and a quarter percent of deposits. That's about the size of SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, one bank. Now let that sit in. Let it sink. One and a quarter percent of deposits, the federal government, which we own, oh, they'll tell us in D.C., we're the ones that we have the legal right to exercise and run all this. We're going to keep our eyes on the financial markets this morning, but I got to tell you, Americans are not stupid. The Dow Jones already, in just a matter of a half hour, is down 100 points. NASDAQ down 17 points. Oh, by the way, Apple and Google stocks, they're up. Apple's up this morning $2.30 a share. Google up $0.69 a share. Chinese are doing pretty good over there. The Hang Seng Index up 376 points. It's jittery in the stock market this morning. I'm not trying to scare you, but I'm trying to tell you what we're being told is supposed to make us feel good. Oh my gosh, yeah, we got everything under control. Just saying, the federal government doesn't have everything under control. And that's a fact. What else is in the news this morning? There is a lot of other stuff in the news. Let me tell you what's in the news. News about the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden family syndicate. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer yesterday on Fox News He said he has got evidence that proves that Joe Biden's family has profited from the Chinese Communist Party. It's been allegations up until now, but it looks like there's evidence. He was on Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo yesterday, and she asked what he had learned, Comer had learned in the last two weeks, since he was on the show, just two weeks. We've had a very good two weeks, he said. We're finally having people cooperate with us I think we all know the Biden administration is stonewalling. 
Secretary-Treasurer Janet Yellen is stonewalling, not turning over the bank violations. But fortunately, since we spoke last, we have bank records in hand. We have individuals who are working with our community, he said. He didn't, he didn't get specific about who they are yet. He did claim that they have ties in with the president and with his family. We've met with either these individuals personally, he said, or with their attorneys. And that would be four people who had ties with the Biden family on their various schemes around the world. Now listen to this. Quote, so now we have in hand documents that show just exactly how the Biden family was getting money from the Chinese Communist Party. And he added that evidence is as bad as we thought. It's very concerning, he said. In a way, I'm kind of glad the Biden attorney and the Biden administration's been stonewalling us because when I requested that information two weeks ago compared to today, because of what we have in hand now, we have a lot stronger case in court for why we need these documents that the Biden family's withholding and that the government's withholding. So they have unintentionally helped our cause in our quest to get the documents to where we can give the American people the truth and the transparency that they deserve from their leaders in Washington. Wow. What's that old saying where there's smoke, there's fire? And the fire that uh, our House members have in the U.S. House of Representatives have. It's very damning for the Biden folks. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not jumping up and down with glee. I'm really not. Why? I hate for this to happen. It's going to create more divisiveness. Like we're not divided enough now. Oh my gosh. Folks, our government has never been this divided. I don't think. It hadn't been in my my lifetime. And everybody's looking for a place they can go that's kind of a safe place. I don't think there's anything, any place to be safe right now. Our lives are in uproar. No question about it. By the way, it was just formalized. Europe's biggest, Europe's biggest bank, they snapped up Silicon Valley Bank, the UK version. And you know how much they paid for it? This was going to be the salvation. Oh, you know, all these all these big banks are going to be snapped up. They have all these assets. Yeah, they have those deposits that when all total together equal less than 2%, less than 2% of the safety net that Joe Biden has and the United States Treasury has to protect those 22 trillion dollars worth of deposits in all our banks. They paid 1.2 pound pound. That's about $5, $6, maybe seven or $8. That's what they paid. And of course they're telling us now that's going to secure, that's going to secure their $8.1 billion dollars worth of deposits over there. I got to be honest with you, I'm shocked that the stock markets haven't just ripped apart 
this morning. None of this information is good. And I don't see how it can get any better financially, but I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not a financial genius. I'm not. I defer to people who really are. But they're not coming out this morning. Haven't seen anybody marching out this morning saying, hey, guys, don't worry about this. Of course, over the weekend, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said, we got this We got this under control. And then the president guarantees that it's going to be fixed, but not a dime's going to come from U.S. taxpayers, like the bailout that happened back in 2008. Oh, by the way, that also was when Joe Biden was in D.C. He wasn't in the White House. Well, he visited every once in a while, but he was vice president under Barack Obama. And when the 2008 debacle happened, they blamed every bit of it on George W. Bush, their predecessor in the White House. You can bet your bippy they're not going to accept any liability for any of this. These are those old wicked capitalists. You know, that that idea that it favors the wealthy. They don't get hurt in things like this. Just blue-collar Americans. Those are the ones, and we're going after those filthy, rich corporations and individuals, and we're going to bring them to their knees. Why? Because we are the ones that have the people at heart. We're the ones. And he got up just a few minutes ago, the president did, and um, here's what he said. He said, Americans, Americans should feel confident in our banking system after the federal response to SVB's collapse. He reiterated statement from the FDIC and the Treasury who have the ability that I just gave to you in real hard numbers. He said we need to trust them. He told reporters the federal government would guarantee depositors at the bank's access to all their funds. He added that no such protection is being offered to the bank's investors, though. His administration has also fired the leadership at both banks. No losses will be borne by the taxpayers, Biden emphasized. And why not? The SVB CEO, he cashed in stock that he owned of the bank privately for tens of millions of dollars last week. He didn't get hurt. Instead, the money will come from the fees that banks pay into the deposit insurance fund. Because of the actions that our regulators have already taken, every American should feel confident that their deposits will be there if and when they need them. The president went on to call on Congress to pass legislation to strengthen rules on banks to stop failures like SVB and Signature Bank. Don't, 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 don't you just feel warm and fuzzy? There was a run on the bank, SVB Bank, Thursday and Friday. They Depositors rushed to get their money over concern for their bank's health, and yeah, that was a great cause, and they'd been told all along, hey, we're okay, everything's good. The rush to withdraw money is what caused the bank to collapse. The Biden administration had assured earlier SVB depositors that they would have access to all of their funds yesterday. The joint statement from Treasury, the Federal Reserve, the FDIC, all emphasized the action would come at no cost 
to taxpayers. Today, we're taking decisive actions to protect the U.S. economy. How? By strengthening public confidence in our banking system. This step will ensure the U.S. banking system continues to perform its vital role of protecting deposits and providing access to credit to households and businesses in a manner that promotes strong and sustainable economic growth. Can you believe they're still claiming, hey, everything's okay, Uncle Joe's in the White House, Janet Yellen's in the Treasury, we got it all taken care of. Don't look at the real things that are going on out there this Monday morning. Don't do that. Just watch us. Just listen to us. We're the ones that know it all. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an Infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. Sugar bites. Protect your kids. Hello there. All kind of problems going on this morning. Boy, we, we're getting just, I mean, bullet fast. We're getting information about what we're being told not being necessarily the truth. What did that cost everybody involved in it, that run on Silicon Valley Bank last week? Well, prior to the run on the bank, you know, everybody going in and making sure they get their money out on Thursday and Friday, the bank was in sound financial condition. That's according to DFPI. DFPI. Who is DFPI? The California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Who's the boss over there in California where those billions of dollars just mysteriously disappeared? Ooh, that would be 
presidential wannabe, Governor Gavin Newsom. Prior to the run, they told us they had everything going on, a cash balance that was way positive. Customers took out $42 billion. That seems okay, right? Well, it seems okay, but it left the bank with a negative cash balance of a billion dollars. So the DFPI, they took over on Saturday. And so here's what they found out. I'm going to just give it to you kind of like a rundown bullet point thing. On March 8th, the bank announced a loss of about $1.8 billion from a sale of their investments. That uh, What are those investments? Well, when you look at them, what do they include? U.S. Treasuries, bonds in other words, federal bonds, and mortgage-backed securities. Same day, March 8th, the bank's holding company announced it was conducting a capital raise. Now, what is that? They're going out trying to get people to buy more bonds. You know, that way they get cash that they can say it's on deposit there to make everybody feel warm and fuzzy. So, despite the bank being in sound financial condition prior to March the 9th, investors and depositors reacted by starting to grab their money. $42 billion in deposits on March 9th. And that's called the run on the bank. So as of close of business, close of business on what day? March 9th. Had a negative cash balance of just under a billion dollars. $958 million. So despite all of the attempts by the bank's folks with the assistance of bank regulators, the feds, the Biden people, to transfer collateral from various sources out there. Now, what does that mean? They're grasping for something to prop up what they're telling us. The bank did not meet its cash letter with the Federal Reserve. So this precipitous deposit withdrawal, this run on the bank, has caused SVB to be incapable of paying its obligations as they come due. And the bank is now officially insolvent. And before that all happened last week, it was the 16th largest bank rated by the assets, the dollars and cents, the value of hard assets that they held. And that's in the Federal Reserve data it shows the bank had $209 billion in assets of December 31st, 2022. $209 billion. Now, what are those assets? How do they figure that? Well, they go look at what they're worth in the marketplace the day that they do it. How much is it all worth? Hmm, 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 hmm. That's just a spooky thing to me. I I just don't understand it all. And this is killing Americans. Let's look back at the financial markets again right now. Now the Dow Jones is up 75 points. NASDAQ's up 26 points. S&P 500 up four. Apple stock is up. It's up $2.50 a share and Google's up 73 cents a share. Chinese markets over there, up $376 and a nickel. 
Now, what does all this mean? Does this mean, hey, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. We got it going on. I don't know who you are, but it doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. And that Silicon Valley bank CEO that I told you about it sold some stock. <laughs> How much? $3.57 million of stock two weeks before the bank collapsed. Greg Becker's his name. February 27th, he sold 12,000 shares of common stock at an average price of $287 or $3.5 million in total. Two weeks before the stock plunge. What's it worth today? Remember, he sold it for $287.42 a share. Today, $39.49 a share. Why would he rush to do that? Well, we all know why he rushed to do that. He knew something you and I didn't know. And the feds either didn't know or they didn't care. Oh my gosh, can that possibly be true? Biden this morning said, hey, everything's okay. It's all cool. We got everything under control. And by the way, it's not going to cost the taxpayers anything. Listen, if the Fed spend a dollar today, and they will, they'll spend billions of dollars today. Every dime of that comes from you and me. The Feds don't have a nickel of their own money. They represent us. They work for us. All that tax money that you hear about, we set record tax collections last year. Never before has any government been so successful as the Biden administration of taxing and collecting it from American citizens. Y'all just keep sending your money up here. We got it all under control. And then when things happen, it's like, oh, don't worry about that run on the bank. Don't worry about those evil people that were hiding things from us all at SVB. We're going to take care of you. We're going to step in. None of you depositors are going to lose a dime. We're going to do it. Do you ever get tired of this crap? I got to be honest with you. It nauseates me to even talk about it, yet to think about it, and that they would do what they have been doing that have fed this fire that we're watching burn brightly today. So in the middle of all kinds of bipartisan criticism of the Biden administration for not knowing and not stepping in sooner, we're told again this morning, Biden's accelerating efforts to stave off. Stave off. I love that word. That's what they tell us when we are in the middle of a firestorm and they tell us they're going to help us stave off (laughs) the fire. They call it an epic financial crisis in the making, but they've got it taken care of as regulators took control of the new bank we learned about that failed over the weekend, along with SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, that was shuttered on Friday. Hours before the markets opened in Asia this morning, regulators at our Treasury, our Federal Reserve, FDIC, they tried to calm all the jitters 
while they were combating the factors that caused the very first bank in Santa Clara to fail. Today, we're taking decisive actions. I'm not even going to that. They say they're helping the economy, and it looks like the numbers, at least so far, American people that live in the financial markets and invest there are okay with what they're hearing coming out of the Biden administration. Because everybody was afraid, including me. We were going to have a run on the banks nationwide, and if that would happen, as I told you, once again, if you weren't here a few minutes ago, I told you what the numbers are. Total of $22 trillion all total in all the banks at one time in the in the U.S. $22 trillion worth of deposits. And you take the FDIC that insures all of our deposits to make sure they're safe and you can't get you can't get taken like these many of these people at SVB are gonna do that had big money invested there. Their big money that was invested there is gone. But the FDIC is going to take care of them. The total amount that the FDIC has to do that, to take care of depositors, the total amount, all of it in, is less than 2% of the $22 trillion that is out there. What does that mean? That That's not happening right now. No. But what they're trying to do is, their term, stave off a rush on the banks by Americans and American corporations and even foreigners that have a lot of money stashed over here. We won't know until the end of our business day, which is going to be in California, 7 o'clock our time and central time tonight. We won't know where we sit financially as compared to where we sit this morning when all of the markets opened up worldwide. Not trying to scare you. What I'm trying to do is give you the facts which we aren't getting from our federal government. We are not getting the facts. One economist explains why Our economy is collapsing. His name is Michael Burry. He sent one perfect tweet out yesterday that explained it all. He's best known for his portrayal by Christian Bale in the hit movie The Big Short. You remember that? It's about the 2008 devastation that happened right at the end of the Bush 43 administration. He, Burry, has been signaling an alarm for an impending massive recession for quite some time. Now remember, they don't let anybody, the Biden administration don't let anybody even use the R word. You can't do it. Oh, we're not going to have a recession. We're not in a recession. It doesn't matter what you put on it as a name, folks. We're in a really bad financial spot. After Silicon Valley banks collapse on Friday, Signature Bank shut down today, Burry went to Twitter and he made one perfect statement. Listen to what he said. 2000, 2008, 2023, it's always the same. People full of hubris and greed take stupid risks and fail. Money is then printed 
because it works so well. I'm going to give you that again. You're going to hear this over and over again as we wade through this debacle. Here's what Burry said. Michael Burry, quote, 2000, 2008, 2023, it's always the same. People full of hubris and greed take stupid risks and they fail. Money is then printed. Why? Because it works so well. Fiat money, backed by what? The faith, the good faith and assets of the federal government. (laughs) We only have less than 2% in real coverage to make sure everything's going to be okay. Uncle Joe's on the job. He's got Janet Yellen sitting over at the Treasury. They got it all figured out. They're going to make sure that you don't lose a dime. And don't worry, if you do lose a dime, they're going to come in and give you some more fresh dollar bills that they just went and printed in the back office. Here, we work for the taxpayers, and we went and printed this money, and we're giving you this money to make sure you don't lose anything. That's the world in which we live, folks. We're in it. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, statement's coming at ya, statement's coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Have a seat. Hey, where's the food? What kind of meeting is this? There's no food. We just said that so you would show up. What? No food? There's someone we think you should talk to. Hey, Dan. Your co-workers told me you haven't done your taxes. I just want to say, you can call a TurboTax Live CPA for help. We'll help you get your refund and get back to your life. You'd really do that for me? Yeah, Dan. It's literally my job. Thanks, guys. So, there's no snacks? Nothing? I brought kale. TurboTax Live, now with CPAs on demand. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. He's got the inside scoop on what's really happening in D.C. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan. I'm just going to do one more little tidbit about this banking thing unless something major happens 
live during the show. We're going to watch it again. We told you we're making sure we're right on top of minute by minute as things happen. And of course, those of you that will be listening to this show as a podcast later today, you're not going to get this same live information. It'll be in your rearview mirror. But right now we're at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. on the East Coast. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 198 points. NASDAQ's up 75 points. S&P 500, 18 points. Apple stock, which we watch, that's going to give us kind of the, uh, uh, the, the pulse of big high-tech out west. Apple is up $3.20 a share. Google's up. Now, just a little over a dollar a share. In markets overseas, we just look at the Chinese, the Hang Seng Index. They're up 376 points over there at their close. So it looks like everybody can breathe a little easy. Maybe Uncle Joe and his crew have got it all taken care of. <laughs> if you believe that. <laughs> Billionaire investor, head fudge manager. He's right in the middle of it all the time, this stuff going on. Bill Ackman's his name. He warned us of an economic collapse by today unless the government bails out Silicon Valley Bank. The government has about 48 hours to fix a soon-to-be irreversible mistake. He tweeted that out early Saturday morning. Why? Well... It begins with the fact that, like other banks, SVB has clients. Nobody's talking about their clients. And these clients have their money deposited in the bank. Well, the problem is, as we told you, their deposits are mostly uninsured. 98% of them are uninsured. And so their clients are at the risk of losing all their money. So why are they uninsured? Well, because the FDIC only insures deposits up to a quarter of a million dollars. But most of those clients at SVB SVB were Silicon Valley startup corporations with millions of dollars in their accounts. Regardless, Ackman wrote on that Twitter, that unless someone, anybody bails out the bank, other people are going to start taking their money out from smaller, less secure banks too, so they won't lose their money as well. By allowing SVB to fail without protecting all their depositors, the world has woke up to what an uninsured deposit is, an uninsured, illiquid claim on a failed bank. Absent J.P. Morgan, Citibank, or Bank of America buying SVP, a prospect I believe to be unlikely, he said, or the government guaranteeing all of SBVP's deposit, which I think is going to happen, and I think it'll happen if any market stuff turns down this afternoon. It's just my opinion. If those don't happen, the giant sucking sound you'll hear will be the withdrawal of substantially every uninsured deposit from all but the systematically important banks. And the assumption is their money would be much safer. According to Investopedia, an SIB bank is a bank that U.S. federal regulators determined would pose a serious risk to the economy if it was allowed to collapse. 
and SIB is viewed as too big to fail and imposed with extra regulatory burdens to make sure it doesn't ever go under. It's basically a better protected bank. We're sitting here, I'm telling you this, you're probably asking, where's one of those? I need to take my money over there real quick. (laughs) Ackman warned the transfer of all this money from smaller banks to SIBs, it's going to drain liquidity from community, regional, other banks, and start the destruction of those smaller institutions. These funds will be transferred to the SIBs, U.S. Treasury money market funds and short-term U.S. Treasury notes. There's already pressure to transfer cash to short-term the Treasury and Treasury money market accounts because of the substantially higher yields. That's the income they make that's available on risk-free U.S. Treasury versus bank deposits. If these withdrawals start, it's going to drain liquidity from these regional banks and others, and that's going to begin the destruction of these very important institutions. So despite this warning, many people still say, we don't want to do a bailout on the basis that it's unfair to everyday Americans who don't get a bailout when they screw up. Well, here's the thing, though, folks. Whose money do these SIBs have? Where's it come from? Well, it comes from big-time corporations and investors. They have to deposit their money somewhere, right? They want it to go where it's taken care of. Everything's okay. No risk. There's no such place. Basically, what's happening is the Americans have been dumbed down over time to just trust what those in the banking financial markets tell us. Everything's okay. Your money's safe. Nothing's going to happen until something happens, like in 2000 and 2008. I got to be honest with you, the run on banks in 2008, it was absolutely, and I'll use another term, freaking unbelievable to watch. It was scary to believe that the strongest nation, the biggest nation financially in the world could have this happen. And here's why it can happen, and it's probably in the making right now. Americans are so dumb, we all think just in our heads. If I've got a paper dollar or if I have a uh, account balance that shows I have a dollar in the bank, that means I've got a real asset right there in the bank. It's a dollar, and I can go get it, my dollar, and it's going to be worth one dollar anywhere in the world. That's a pipe dream. It used to be that way. In the old days, when you had a dollar bill, there was a dollar's worth of gold in the U.S. Treasury somewhere at one of those locations that backed up that one dollar. Do you know in the whole world, there is only one country left where their currency, like our dollars, every one of those Dollars, they're not dollars, they're actually francs, F-R-A-N-C-S. Every one of those has a dollar worth of gold on deposit that backs up every one of those francs. One country on earth, I said francs, it should be a giveaway, it's Switzerland. 
And about five years ago, with no warning whatsoever on a Tuesday afternoon, and I'll never forget it, they came out and said, as of the close of banking that particular day, the Swiss government has 100% collateralized their entire money market with an equal amount of gold on deposit as are the francs that have been printed and sent out there. Wouldn't it be good to have that? Of course, here we are over here. We're the Yanks. They call us the Yankees. We're over here flying by the seat of our pants. They look at us like we're all on on horses out on the range, strapping our horses and just going around doing farming things. We don't have any idea what's going on, and so we're we're cowboys. I have been called a cowboy for that more times than I would even care to share by people in Europe and Asia, just because I'm American, and that's the way we roll. Let's get out of this. Let's get out of all this mess and get on to something that we really need to know and pay attention to. Did you know there's a brand new political party out there and in this run-up to the 2024 elections, everybody's watching this, this happen. And so far, three states have formally accepted this new political party, and they're going to be involved in the 2024 election legally. Three states, and they're aiming to offer voters a viable third-party option for president. Now think about that. Remember the last time this happened in a credible way? Ross Perot. You remember when he made that big run for the president? I forget what he got in numbers percentage in the in the election, but it was so many that it stripped away from the Republican Party and Democrats won. Democrats are worried that could happen to them in 2024. The name of the party, I love this. Listen closely. So you won't forget it. The name of the party, No Labels. <laughs> I love it. That's definitely in your face, isn't it? The party, the No Labels Party. They claim they want to give voters a non-extreme presidential option next year. And they've gained enough support to formally and legally appear on 2024 presidential ballots in the states of Colorado, Arizona, and Oregon. Hadn't talked about it. First, you probably heard about it over the weekend. I heard about it, but I didn't have all the details until yesterday. Criticism of the group. It varies between those calling it a blatant effort to hurt President Biden's re-election chances to those that are calling it outright grift. Rather than producing a third-party ticket that would defy the overwhelming odds and win, No Labels is on track to field a spoiler who would, listen to this, re-elect Trump or a Trump-like Republican. That's from Think Tank Third Way. So it looks like Biden is going to launch his re-election campaign in the next month or two. And as Republicans line up to challenge Donald Trump for the GOP nomination, this no-labels movement is launching and it is drawing attention from both the right and the left. 
Third-party candidates have not attracted any real support in presidential elections. Third Way's warning memo that was first reported by Politico last week argued that third-party candidates have no chance of winning a general election and would most likely pick up voters who otherwise would vote for the Democrat candidate. So they pointed to former presidential candidates Jill Stein, Gary Johnson, Doing that, Third Way argued, history shows whenever those third-party candidates make it to the November election, it only helps Republicans. I disagree. Ross Perot was one. It didn't help Republicans at all. In fact, it ensured that Democrats got elected. No labels cast Biden and Trump as equally extreme and frames their ticket as an antidote to a rematch. But this is a smokescreen. Joe Biden is governed as a mainstream moderate, passing more bipartisan legislation than anybody dreamed possible. That's third way, stating that in a memo. No Labels is committed to fielding a candidate that will, intentionally or not, provide a crucial boost to those evil Republicans and a major obstacle to Biden. So, as a result, they'll make it far more likely, if not certain, that Trump, returns to the White House. The orange man will be back. No labels. They disagree. They insist its unity ticket would draw support equally from Republican and Democrat-leaning voters. So they're actually thinking about a path to victory that would secure electoral votes from purple and swing states across the country. Now, I like this approach. They're going at it at the place where they really could make an electoral college difference. No Labels tweeted out late Thursday that no one with the organization has any interest in fueling a spoiler effort. At some point in the future, it could become clear that the public doesn't want an independent ticket or that there is no path for one to win, or we could find... There are no candidates with broad appeal or the courage to take on this challenge. If that happens, no labels will not offer our ballot line to any presidential candidate. It's unclear who the no labels candidate would be or what the main policy positions would include. Their policy playbook includes policies that are attractive to Republicans as well as some Democrats. It's, to, it's called the Policy Playbook for America's Next President. It was released in 2016, by the way. It lays out reforms that will simplify the tax code, secure energy independence by 2024, balance the budget by 2030, reduce regulations, all generally favorable to Republican lawmakers. But the playbook also includes policy many Republicans view as non-starters, like a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants, though only if border enforcement were much stronger. No label, no label. I said no label. No label is going to have a nominating convention in April of next year, months ahead of the scheduled Republican and Democrat conventions. That's a big deal. I mean, you think about the political timing. If you've got a candidate, either party that's like right down the middle, which, to be honest with you, with uh, Joe Biden in the White House, 
There are very few Democrats that are right down the middle anymore. They're scattered from the far left to the moderate left. But their moderate left used to control the party. The far left is winning their battle right now. They've been active in courting some centrist lawmakers in D.C. People like Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona. She's an independent. Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia, who really is right down the middle too. Manchin and moderate Republican Senator Susan Collins of Maine went to a February conference that No Labels hosted down in Florida. And they both praised centrism as the way to approach legislating in a divided government. The center is still going to be where people are going to have to gather around in order to get anything done, Manchin said. Not just a grift, a virtual guarantee. It would elect the proto-authoritarian. That's from Norman Ornstein, a former American Enterprise Institute scholar. He obviously is pretty negative about no labels. No Labels has seen no shortage of internal controversy in recent months, as you can expect. Mark Halperin, the group's highest paid employee, resigned in the middle of last week. The disgraced journalist was hired back in 2021 after he resigned from ABC News. What for? Accusations of sexual misconduct from multiple women. Oh my gosh. People in politics don't do that? (laughs) Yeah, right. Where men and women breathed, there's opportunity for sexual misconduct. You and I, we all know that. I got a text. Why do they call... Why do they call Donald Trump orange man? It goes back to... I guess early in his campaign for president, maybe even a little before that, uh, he used a sun lamp and his hair turned, it was colored, it turned kind of an orange color and it made his face look orange also. And so he earned the title of orange man and it stuck. People like to make fun of Donald Trump. I know you don't know that. You didn't know that, James, but that's just another way to make fun of him. Got our resident spokesman for politics from Louisiana, Representative John Kennedy, is up next. Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh, yeah. Uh, the instructions say that. What now? The instruction manual. It makes absolute... Stop reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you use the fact you're a man. Huh? Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. <laughs> Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts. Go to GetSomeNuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching. With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24-7 roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. He sits in judgment. He stands for the law. Kind of looks like a hero and sounds like your paw. What 
He smiles and he laughs, his voice tinged with gravel, but the bad guys gasp when he bangs his big gavel. Wapner! Judge Wapner! Judge Wapner! When neighbors brawl, when lovers refute, when suppliers and buyers and liars dispute, Wapner won't let those law books get dusty. Got a buddy named Doug and a sidekick named Rusty. Rusty! With Wapner! Judge Wapner! Doesn't do it from towers, doesn't do it from steeples. He does it in court, a court called People's. Wapner. People's Court. Judge Wapner. Call him your honor. Judge Wapner. Judge Wapner rules on the People's Court. Song over. Song over. about why they call Donald Trump the orange man. You remember when he had uh, his NBC live show every week that made him a television hero. Um, He was just Donald Trump on the show. And I think when he ran for president, that show had a lot to do with what people thought about Donald Trump because they saw him on television every week. And he was a boss and he was looking for apprentices and so he had these contests going on between them and he loved every minute of it but he was a competitive guy he still is he was that kind of guy when he was in the white house and that took on a life of its own around the nation when it came to people dealing with the united states at the federal level and a lot of leaders around the world were horrified They had no idea what Donald Trump was going to do, but they knew it was going to be different than any other U.S. president, and that proved to be true. How so? He made everybody do the right thing all the time when they dealt with us, and it was always quid pro quo. We'll do something for you. We'll give you support. We'll give you opportunity. We'll assist you in every area, but in return, you're going to do the same thing for us. Treat us equally. That's never happened in modern history. We always just give away the farm. Somebody wants something, they come and tell us they need something. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll help you out. And that's a lot of the problem that we have with Joe Biden. Everybody in his administration feel like anytime there's an issue, we can fix it. How do you fix it? You throw money at it, even before you know it's a real problem and why it is a problem. Oh, well, we fix everything. Our band-aid is called U.S. dollars. And that's evident in his proposed budget that came out. He put out last Thursday. I looked at it. We talked about it ad nauseum on our show Friday morning. And then looking at it over the weekend, the financial pundits have looked at what they have put out there and been able to garner from it, and it doesn't look so good for the American people. One of those pundits, he's really not a financial guru, but he is a senator, and he has the responsibility, and he does look very carefully at dollars and cents legislation that's out there, especially when an administration puts out a budget. And this one, according to Louisiana Senator John Kennedy, sucks a big one. All right, let's start here. The president makes his pitch this week for the budget and says this. 
My plan is going to reduce the deficit by $3 trillion over 10 years. Based on what we know so far about their plan, it's going to ex explode the deficit by more than $3 trillion over the next 10 years. They want to cut tax for the wealthy and large corporations. Take away the power we just gave Medicare to negotiate lower drug prices. All right, Senator, he says he's going to reduce the deficit, shore up Medicaid and Social Security, and make the rich pay their fair share. So what is the GOP counter? Um, the president's budget took my breath away. Um, his numbers are extraordinary. We're going to run out of digits here. It's a $6.9 trillion budget, $4.7 trillion in new taxes that will affect everyone over 10 years, $18 trillion in new debt, a cut to defense. The president says that his budget will solve our financial problems in Medicare and Social Security. That's not true. Uh, anything seems possible when you don't know what you're talking about. The Wall Street Journal just reported that the president's budget will, will add eight, rather $11 trillion in a financial shortfall to Social Security and Medicare. Uh, the only way I know how to improve the president's budget is with a shredder. Well, uh, we're waiting to see what Republicans, though, want to offer in return. Other than just criticism, here's what The New York Times says, how they characterize what they say is coming. They say hard right House Republicans are readying a plan to gut the nation's foreign aid budget and make deep cuts to health care, food assistance and housing programs for poor Americans. So, again, we got to get to what the GOP counter is. And how do you also deal with the optics of knowing how the Republican plans are going to be portrayed by most folks in the media? Well, we're, I'm going to try to do what's right for the American people. The media can do what it wants. The House is, uh, is on its track to put together a budget, Shannon. The Senate needs to be doing its work on the budget. Senator Schumer has prevented that. I'm on the Appropriations Committee. We should be meeting right now. As you know, we, we, we split the budget up into 12 mini-budgets. I'm ranking member on one of those subcommittees. We should be meeting right now talking about how to reduce the rate of growth of spending and debt accumulation, but Senator Schimmer will not allow us to meet. So when you can't sit down with your colleagues, it's kind of hard to put together something to talk to the American people about. But there's no question that there are savings to be had in this budget. No fair-minded American believes that you can't find efficiencies in, uh, in a 6.9 trillion dollar budget. So you mentioned spending, and that is something we are hearing from House Republicans, Speaker McCarthy out there saying there's, you know, we're, we're bringing in all-time highs of revenues, but we have to talk about cuts in spending. Um, but a CBO analysis says this, Republicans don't exactly have clean hands on that issue. Republicans bear at least equal blame as Democrats for the biggest drivers of federal debt growth that passed Congress over the last two presidential uh, administrations. So, how do you convince your party to stop spending in the same way that Republicans criticize Democrats are doing? Well, that criticism that you just read is correct. Um, th there have been any number of bills passed with Republican support in the Senate that added to spending. I didn't vote for them. I'll give you one example. We just passed uh, a $40 billion subsidy for big tech. It's called the CHIPS bill. Um, 
The idea is to bring semiconductor manufacturing back to America. Right now, we have a 10% market share. We just spent $40 billion on, in a giveaway to big tech. You know how much it's going to increase our market share? 1%. Uh, uh, our infrastructure bill, which is not really an infrastructure bill. I didn't vote for it because I'm not going to buy a car to get the cup holders. If you want to talk savings, we ought to stop sending checks to dead people. We spend about a billion to two billion every year to send money to dead people. The checks are being cashed. It's obviously fraud. Um, the, the president's plan to have the American people pay for student debt cost $400 billion on over 10 years. We already had a plan to repay student debt. It's called a job. We ought to get rid of that. We ought to talk about how to reduce the federal workforce through attrition. Uh, we ought to talk about why in the Medicare program we're paying more for the same surgical treatment in a hospital as opposed to an outpatient clinic. There are lots of things we can do to reduce spending in, uh, in this budget. But on the Senate side, we have to have Senator Schumer's permission to do that. And he's not going to give it, nor is President Biden. Well, the White House does say they're folding in, I guess, $1.6 billion that will be aimed at, at fraud and going after things that you mentioned. And, of course, we're waiting to see what the Supreme Court says about the executive decision on forgiving student loans. So we'll stand by on those. Meantime, entitlements are getting a lot of attention. Uh, Republic Republicans have repeatedly said they're not going to cut them. The White House has repeatedly said you need to be afraid if you're, if you're getting these benefits. Here is what um, GOP presidential candidate Nikki Haley said this week. We have to be realistic. It is unrealistic to say you're not going to touch entitlements. Okay. They say Democrats are actually making proposals about these uh, entitlements, but they say this. If Republicans continue to stubbornly insist that Social Security and Medicare shouldn't be touched, the inevitable result will be not only that Democrats win the political debate, but that all such reforms will mostly mean higher taxes. So, listen, trustees of these programs tell us, 10 to 15 years, they'll be insolvent. Nikki Haley's out there saying you got to talk about it, but Republicans are, you know, chastised every time you do. Should you be having a public conversation about those things? Well, I think you ought to get the Social Security that you paid for, and I think you ought to get the Medicare that you paid for. Now, Medicare is going to start getting in trouble financially in 2028. Social Security in uh, 2035, I think. We should be talking now how to make sure that those programs are solvent. The problem is that President Biden, in his State of the Union address, decided to demagogue the issue. We all saw it. He basically said, if you talk, talk speaking to Republicans, if you talk about Social Security or Medicare, I'm going to call you a, uh, a mean, bad person. And that just took the issue off the table when the president decided to demagogue it. It was, uh, you know, you, 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 can, you can only be young once, but you can always be immature. And I thought it was a very immature thing to do. So you think there need to be conversations then about something, whether it's changing the age for people who are not yet paying into these benefits, future changes, current changes? Well, of course we ought to talk about it. I mean, the... the um, the, uh, the, the life expectancy of the average American right now is about 77 years old. For people who are in their 20s, um, 
their life expectancy will probably be 85 to 90. Does it really make sense to allow someone who's in their 20s today to retire at, uh, at, at 62? Those are the kind of things that we should talk about. There are changes in Medicare we should talk about. Let me say it again. Medicare pays much more for the same surgical procedure in a hospital as it does in a private outpatient clinic. Why? It, it, there, there are a lot of things we could talk about, but President Biden has taken that issue totally off the table. He says he has fixed it in his budget and that's nonsense. That's well, nonsense it, on a stick. It, it looks like it, that's going to be done through increased taxes, which I know Republicans are thumbs down on that. I want to ask you about the border quickly. But it still leaves a shortfall. It still leaves $11 trillion shortfall. So when the president says, I fixed the problem, uh, with all due respect, he's not telling the truth. Yeah, there is definitely um, a debt component to what he's proposing out there that's pretty hefty. I want to ask you about the border because uh, there, there's talk of taking cartels, designating them as foreign terrorist organizations. There's also talk about whether or not you get the U.S. military involved. Um, former AG Bill Barr's got a very interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal where he talks about if our country is under threat, we should have operations, including within Mexico. Where do you stand on that? I think, I think uh, Attorney General Barr is correct. Look, uh, the cartels, we know who they are. They're killing Americans on both sides of the border. And the fact is that the American military uh, could partner with the Mexican military and the Mexican police, and we could wipe out the cartels. But President Lopez Obrador in Mexico refuses to do that. And when Senator Graham and I talked about the issue this year, or this week rather, President Biden said it was a bad idea. And the truth is that, that President Biden believes in open borders. The, the cartels don't seem to bother him. And President Lopez Obrador, he can answer for himself. But I don't understand why he would turn down American help to get rid of cartels that are killing his people okay. and our people. Uh, just very quickly, to be clear, if the U.S. wasn't in a partnership of some kind with Mexico, its military, its law enforcement, does the U.S. military have any role within Mexico, short of that cooperation? No, we can't, no, okay. we can't go into Mexico without, without Mexico's okay. permission. You know, Martha McCallum at Fox News, she's who was just interviewing Senator Kennedy. She's very nice. Um, she never sounds combative with anybody that she interviews. And to be honest with you, that is the way you're supposed to interview somebody, where if you're actually going after facts, and you, especially when you're talking about something that's controversial, you don't get combative. If you're a good journalist, you don't go into that interview and make it your side against their side. Martha just cuts it right down the middle, and she asks questions that cut both ways. It, it, the reason I wanted you to hear that, besides the meat that's in there, John Kennedy does a great job explaining his positions on pretty much every issue when you give him the time to talk, um, was to let you hear how a real interviewer operates when they interview somebody. It's not about going into it with your political position because you're supposed to be just presenting to the people that are watching or listening. You're supposed to present both sides of every issue 
and let somebody in a position of authority like John Kennedy, U.S. Senator, long time there, his opinion, he of course is a very conservative Republican. And then she brings up when he gives his perspective on an issue, you heard her bring up and just say, well, what about the other side and their opinion? And you get a consensus from the person you're talking to rather than the way that MSNBC and CNN and ABC, CBS, NBC News, the way they interview where anybody they talk to at the very beginning of any of those conversations, if it's somebody that is slightly different thinking from the interviewer about the issues they're talking about, the interviewer goes into it with a knife in one hand and just dares you to say anything with which they disagree. That's worth noting. It's, it's really worth noting when you pick where you go to get your facts. Let's just switch gears on this whole thing. I hate to do it because it's tired, it's worn out, but let's go back to coronavirus. Let's go back to the science, the science, a man named the science, because he told us when it comes to everything to do with COVID-19 and any other infectious disease, I am the science. I'm talking about, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci, former CDC director, that's Centers for Disease Control. Now, the CDC doesn't have total authority over Fauci's division of the National Institutes of Health, the NAIED. They all have letter names. They work hand-in-hand. Redfield was the boss at the CDC, and he has always had some issues with Dr. Fauci. So, Friday, in Congress, the committee was interviewing former CDC director Redfield. And I want it's very important before we run out of time. We've only got just a little over 20 minutes left on the show today. I want to make sure that you hear Representative Malio Takas from New York talking to Dr. Redfield about the truth or the lack of truth on the part of Dr. Fauci when it came to telling us everything that we needed to know as a nation about coronavirus, including things like its origins. And how truthful was Dr. Fauci? For two years, myself and the other Republicans on this subcommittee connected the dots. We exposed the evidence supporting our strong belief that COVID was developed and leaked from the Wuhan lab. And during those same two years, the same Democrats that sit on this committee, they only hindered, they obstructed, they refused to hold hearings and get to the truth. Now we see mounting evidence supporting the COVID-19 originated from the lab in Wuhan, China, run by the Communist Chinese uh, Party. And this hearing is about getting to the truth. I thank the chairman for making this the very first hearing because the American people who have seen just as many fellow Americans die from COVID, as nearly as many die from COVID, that died in every war since the American Revolution combined, deserve to know the truth. Uh, Dr. Redfield, you pointed to the lab leak theory even before we did. 
In mid-January of 2020, you expressed concerns to Dr. Fauci, to uh, Jeremy Farrer of UK's Wellcome Trust, and to Dr. Tedros of World Health Organization that, quote, we had to take the lab leak hypothesis with extreme seriousness. And you urged Dr. Fauci to investigate both the lab and the natural hypotheses. Shortly thereafter, on February 1st, uh, Farrer convened a meeting of a group of 11 top scientists across five time zones and asked Dr. Fauci to join, and he wrote, quote, my preference is to keep this group really tight. Obviously, ask everyone to treat in total confidence, unquote. Dr. Redfield, you were excluded from this call, but up until then, you had been on every single, you were included in every other conversation. What changed? Why do you think that you were excluded from these conversations? Thank you very much. I think uh, just to emphasize, uh, in, in, in early to mid-January, I did have multiple calls with Fauci, Farrar, and, and, and Tedros about how important I thought it was that science get engaged in, in aggressive, aggressively pursuing both hypotheses. I also expressed, as a clinical virologist, that I felt it was... Um, not scientifically plausible that this virus went from a bat to humans and became one of the most infectious viruses that we have for humans. All viruses are not the same. So when you look at coronaviruses for SARS and MERS, for example, when they entered the human species, which they did via an intermediate, they never learned how to go human to human. Even to this day, they don't know how to go human to human. So you can't equate Ebola with a coronavirus. Now, why do, you, why do you think you were excluded from those calls? I, I, because it was, I was told to me that uh, they wanted a single narrative and that I obviously had a different point of view. Okay. In emails following the conference call, four of the 11 scientists told Fauci that they all found the genetic sequence inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory, basically what you're saying. However, just three days later, these four scientists had drafted a paper arguing the exact opposite, and that's now the infamous proximal origin of SARS-CoV-2. Our investigations show that this paper was prompted by Dr. Fauci, among others, with a goal to disprove the lab leak theory. What is the likelihood that these scientists came across additional information just three days after making these statements to conclude with such certainty that COVID-19 came from nature instead of the lab leak that they thought it was three days earlier? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. Again, I've said this before, that this whole approach that was taken on January, uh, February 1st and subsequently in the month of February, if you really want to be truthful, it's antithetical to science. Thank you. Science has debate, and they squashed any debate. Thank you. Given what we know now and looking at all the conversations in February of 2020 and before the release of the paper, do you think that uh, Dr. Fauci used this paper to hide the gain-of-function research created, that gain-of-function research created this virus? I can't talk about Fauci's motivation. Do you think that the paper does hide the truth? I think it's an inaccurate paper that basically was part of a narrative that they were creating. Remember, this pandemic did not start in January at the seafood market. We now know there was infections all the way back into September. This was a narrative that was decided that they were going to say this came from the wet market and they were going to do everything they could to support it to negate any discussion about the possibility that this came from a laboratory. i got 20 seconds left. Dr. Fauci was affirmatively told in, told in an email that uh, NIAID had a monetary relationship with the Wuhan 
uh, Institute through uh, EcoHealth Alliance. He, he was told this in January 27th of 2020. Do you think that Dr. Fauci intentionally lied under oath to Senator Paul when he vehemently denied NIH's funding of gain-of-function research? I think there's no doubt that NIH was funding gain-of-function research. Is it likely that American tax dollars funded the gain-of-function research that created this virus? I think it did, not only from NIH, but from the State Department, USAID, and from DOD. I'm out of time. Thank you very much. Did you get those last few comments, questions, and answers there? Fauci, according to Redfield, think about it, CDC director, he put Anthony Fauci right in the middle, didn't call it a lie, misrepresentation, but it basically means... Fauci was lying about pretty much all that. Meanwhile, Fauci's out there this weekend, and he is finding a way, trying to find a way to make everybody think that still a coronavirus lab leak uh, could still be considered a natural occurrence. Now, wait a minute. A lab leak out of a laboratory could still be a natural occurrence you got to listen to this. This is incredible, the stuff that he said to Jim Acosta on CNN on Saturday. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, maybe looking for different types of viruses in bats, and they got infected. You know, that bat bit them on the neck. No, he didn't say that. But got infected while they were out looking for different types of viruses and bats. They then went into a lab, and it was being studied in a lab, and then came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of lab leak, then that's still a natural occurrence, Fauci said. In other words, he's saying nobody purposely leaked it from a laboratory. So if it came out accidentally, it's still a lab leak. He said the other possibility was that a virus accidentally escaped the lab after being taken from an environment. Now, how does that happen? He explained it. The other possibility is someone takes a virus from the environment that doesn't actually spread very well in humans, and they manipulate it a bit, and accidentally it escapes or accidentally infects someone, and then you get an outbreak, he said. He, by the way, then said there have been no lab leaks that have led to any pandemic. That happens intermittently, he said. We've had experience with that in modern times recently, but there's never been a situation where a virus escaped from a lab that's a brand new virus that no one has ever seen before that led to a pandemic. That has not happened, he said. Acosta, you know, that fair-minded, right-down-the-middle true journalist at CNN. He's the one that would remember in the Biden, excuse me, the Trump administration, he was in any time President Trump was at a podium talking where there were media around, he would get in President Trump's face. Not so much when it's Dr. Fauci. Acosta asked Fauci if he is thinking on a possible coronavirus lab leak that has evolved at all. You know, Jim, this is Fauci. I've kept an open mind throughout the entire process. What has changed over months to a year or more is what I mentioned a bit ago, namely that as evolutionary virologists went into this deeper and deeper 
and analyzed it from a number of standpoints, epidemiologically, virology, geospatially, these big terms he threw out. They wrote two very important, well-written, peer-reviewed papers in Science Magazine, strongly suggesting that, in fact, it was a natural occurrence from an animal to a human. But strongly suggesting, Jim, doesn't nail it down definitively, and that's the reason why I say to this day I will keep a completely open mind as to what the origin is, he said. He keeps saying that he's got an open mind. Let me just end this conversation by telling you this. As of today, as of today, nobody on the planet has presented a bat that is infected with SARS-CoV-2. Did you get that? Even though this guy, Dr. Fauci, has been from the very beginning doing what he said on Saturday, this thing he said, in fact, was a natural occurrence from an animal to a human. You got to have, if there's an animal involved in it, don't you think you got to have one of those animals that's involved in it that shows up that can be shown to have SARS-CoV-2? Not a single bat has been presented that backs that up. And still, here we are letting this guy walk around as the boss, the science, and how many people gave their lives, how many lives were taken, because Anthony Fauci lied his way and continues to lie, backing up the lies that he told us and all the things that he told us to do and not to do. He completely destroyed the social lives of thousands, millions of Americans, not to mention people overseas, when he gave us every day his version of the science of SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19 and how to function in our pandemic. To be honest with you, the guy needs to be put up in front of a committee in both houses, a joint session, and he needs to be questioned under oath. And then when he has caught lying, as he has done over and over and over again, hold him accountable. And that means he could be charged criminally. He needs to pay the price. And there's no price out there that can pay back all of those whose loved ones have lost their lives because of the stuff that Dr. Anthony Fauci told us. And there's plenty of it out there. Our final break, and on the other side, we're going to let you hear something that is it's going to kind of make you very, very angry. It has to do with some things that happened in the Obama and Biden administration. This coming out now. Howdy, the streamer here. You know, there's a place down yonder where three streams converge into one. It's where I saw the Mandalorian get himself into a space squabble. Watch me some UFC. Those folks from Modern Family had me cackling like a trout getting tickled. Well, that's a Disney bundle for you. It lets you stream Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for only $13.99 a month. The Disney bundle, it's streaming at its best. Includes Hulu ad-supported plan. Access content from each service separately. Terms apply. Visit the DisneyBundle.com for details. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. 
Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. In a world where a president can be censored by social media in his own country... You need a break from the madness. Your doctor of sanity again, Dan Newman. I want you to think back with me for a second. Think back to what happened regarding Hunter Biden in the Obama administration. Now, wait a minute. How long ago was that? Six years ago was the end of the Obama-Biden administration. And there were real concerns in the administration. We're finding out now real concerns about Hunter. Did you ever hear about any of this? Well, you are right now. Brand new emails uncovered by America First Legal from the National Archives revealing how Hunter Biden and the Obama White House tried to squash any concerns with his new job at Burisma that paid him 50,000 bucks a month. Hunter defending the gig in a 2014 email saying Burisma is completely independent of Ukrainian government with an independent board of director. I joined the board as legal advisor on matters pertaining to corporate governance, transparency and expansion. So basically Hunter saying nothing to see here. Gene Hamilton is saying the exact opposite. He's vice president and general counsel at America First Legal, and Gene joins me now. Gene, what are the main takeaways from these emails? Look, I think one of the main, and thanks for having me on, sure. one of the main takeaways from these emails is the fact that Hunter Biden clearly used his position as the president's son to enrich himself and to obtain this position with Burisma to to lobby then the United States in turn and to try to, with Burisma's intent was to use Hunter to try to influence the policy of the United States. You put all of that together and what you see is a very clear picture that Hunter Biden should have registered under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. It's clear as day, it's laid out in these emails for the American people to see. And so we in fact have filed a complaint with the Department of Justice seeking to have them investigate his failure to register as a foreign agent under the Foreign Agent, Re- foreign agent Registration sure. Act, and we will like to see to, uh, what they do with this. 
What I find most fascinating is that it's clear the Obama White House was one blindsided by this, but also clearly very panicked by this. And you can understand why a letter like this, a Russian TV producer trying to get an interview with the then Vice President Joe Biden about Hunter's new job. The producer asked, would you be so kind to tell us to organize an interview with Mr. Joseph Biden so that he could tell us his attitude toward this and tell us if it will influence the foreign policy of the U.S.? A Biden comms advisor replying, what a charming letter, not granting the interview. So this tells me two things, Gene. I want to know if you agree. One, Biden really tries to downplay all this all the time, whether it's Hunter, Joe, everybody in the Biden family, they think or they're trying to make an appearance that what they're doing is okay. But two, the foreign stage, people on the foreign stage knew Joe Biden and the entire Biden family was in this influence peddling game. And that's why the Russians even sent a letter like that, right? Absolutely. That, that's undoubtedly true. And w seeing those types of things show the American people the, the, the extent of the influence peddling that was going on by the Biden family during the Obama administration. They show the concerns of some of the officials in the Obama administration about the optics of this entire situation. And lastly, Again, the combination of all of these things erodes the trust of the American people. They see institutions like this. They see the White House. They see the vice president of the United States and his family getting personally, uh, financially benefited from these types of arrangements, and it erodes their trust. So we're trying to, we, and we will, continue to expose these types of documents, try to hold these officials accountable in any way that we can, the, these documents are only out there because we sued and right. we obtained them. They're just the tip of the iceberg. You know There's what else? more to come. You know what else so it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. You know what else erodes the trust, Gene? The stonewalling by the Biden administration when other people try to get information. People like Congressman James Comer forced to delay his hearing with Treasury officials because a witness is, quote unquote, no longer available. Comer's not very happy about this. So, Gene, how can Joe Biden and the entire Biden administration, from the top down, all the way down to Treasury, continue to stonewall on this? Well, they're going to keep trying to do what they can, but eventually, if we're persistent, whether it's the people in Congress uh, on appropriate oversight committees or whether it's organizations like ours using tools available uh, in the court of law uh, to try to eventually bring accountability to the Biden family. Gene Hamilton, somebody's out there trying to get the truth. It's you and some others like James Comer. Keep trying. Thank you, sir. Now, remember this. Joe Biden and Barack Obama first took office when? Do you remember when? 2008. How long ago is that? We're in 2023. 15 years have gone by. Now, how much of all of this evil stuff that's being uncovered now, 15 years later, was actually happening? Do you think any of it was happening? Why has it been 15 years for this stuff to come out, that is evidence that could be used in a court of law. 15 years. Now, Hunter Biden, that didn't happen 15 years ago, but it happened, again, the Obama administration ended six years ago. It happened, these emails from Hunter to the administration, all making everybody feel okay that his big gig at Burisma Holdings in Ukraine had nothing to do with his being the son of the vice president, currently our president. Influence peddling, corruption, it's been rife through politics in the American system 
for decades. We don't know how long. But it remains hidden. Why purposely hidden? By who? The folks that orchestrate the evil, the corruption, and not only let it happen, promote its happening because there are tons of people in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere in government that are all enriching themselves by accessing the stream of corruption that Hunter Biden perfected when his dad wasn't president, his dad was only the lowly vice president under Barack Obama. Isn't it amazing how difficult it is and how long it takes to find facts? Some people would say, Dan, you don't really want to know the truth about everything. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe when I found out, it could do to me what it does now when I find out. It nauseates me many times. Things like, oh, another Dr. Fauci-ism. Right now today, there is zero doubt, no doubt whatsoever, that being infected with coronavirus, that itself decreases the risk of hospitalization and death from a COVID reinfection. And it does it in a much greater way, stronger way, and more often than those who got COVID vaccinated. Natural immunity. Now, this should be game over for the existing two-day vaccination program by this government. We're still buying billions of dollars of vaccinations, vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. This study, by the way, was funded by the Gates Foundation. Gates Foundation, who's that? Bill Gates. A recent systematic review and a meta-analysis found that natural immunity is at least as high, if not higher, than the provided by two mRNA injections. Those were Moderna and Pfizer. And providing strong-lasting protection against the most severe outcomes of the illness. Overall, infection-acquired immunity decreased the risk of hospitalization and death from a COVID reinfection by 88% for a minimum of 10 months. You want a comparison? Previous studies have shown the efficacy of two COVID shots wanes to below zero by month number six, meaning the effectiveness becomes negative, making you more prone to infection than you were before you got the shot. Did you get that? Making you more prone to infection than you were before you got the shot. However, the study was funded by the Gates Foundation, appears to have been spun to facilitate the deployment of vaccine mandates. Data from U.S. Medicare showed the COVID jab increases the all-cause mortality risk among the elderly rather than lowering it. If you got the jab and you're elderly, you're more likely to die than if you didn't get jabbed. Analysis of data from the Office of National Statistics in the UK reveals the shots increase all-cause mortality for every age group 
and it's only getting worse, all while doing nothing to reduce deaths from COVID specifically. For for over two years, many others have argued that natural immunity acquired from COVID infection is likely to be far more protective than the shots, the COVID jabs. Arguments, despite being based on published research, were widely dismissed as being dangerous misinformation and part of a right-wing conspiracy. Although, we never found out who the conspirators were because all of us felt the same way. So, am I a conspirator? No, I'm a healthy American that didn't get jabbed. I had COVID one time. It lasted a day. And I bet you I was exposed to it again and again on this recent trip when I took to Israel a couple of weeks ago. Four people in our group tested positive for COVID. I was with them day and night pretty much. I didn't have a reinfection. I never got vaccinated. How could this possibly be? Let's call it what it is, folks, natural immunity. But even now, even NBC is reporting on research that shows that natural immunity is at least as high, if not higher, than provided by those two mRNA injections, the ones that Dr. Anthony Fauci touted over and over and over again. You got to get it. Oh, you got to get the shot, get the shot. And then a few months later, you got to get boosted. And then a few months after that, you got to get boosted again. Am I a little animated about this? Listen, this none of this surprises me. Did you hear Dr. Judy Mikovits? We played, while I was in Israel, we played her interview with me from June of 2020, and she forecasted then everything that would happen with COVID, about the COVID infections themselves, and how it was going to be manipulated by Dr. Anthony Fauci to put us in a pandemic, to lock us down, and to sell us on all kinds of things, including vaccinations. She told us he was going to do that before it was ever even mentioned or thought of by anybody else. And what happened to her? You heard this show. You can find it at our websites, the podcast websites that pick this show up. Go back a couple of weeks now and find the whole show as an interview. That interview from 2020 with Dr. Judy Mikovits. I'm I'm angry about a lot of things. It's it's not a good thing to start a week being this way, but I'm tired of being lied to. I'm tired of it. While it's good that mainstream media are finally reporting some basic truth, this review, positive as it is may have intentions other than confirming what many have known all along. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funded this whole thing. Parts of the final interpretation highlight their influence, like the immunity conferred by past infections should be weighed alongside protection from vaccination when providing guidance on when individuals should be vaccinated. The findings are also to be taken into account when, quote, designing policies that mandate vaccination for workers or restrict access on the basis of immune status 
to settings where the risk of transmission is high, like travel and high occupancy indoor settings. In other words, while those with natural immunity may be granted a slight reprieve from all of these jab mandates, eventually, this review makes it clear that any such mandates will eventually apply to them as well. And it's pretty easy to see why Gates might want to study like this. He's up to his eyeballs in vaccinations, vaccinations. So as time goes on, what's going to happen? COVID jab mandates looking more and more irrational. As the vast majority of people have already been exposed at one point or another, and natural immunity has more than likely surpassed the herd immunity threshold already. And that's what Dr. Fauci told us in the beginning. We've got to get to herd immunity, where there are so many people that have had it that everybody else has been exposed and their bodies have created natural immunity, herd immunity. People who got the jabs are also starting to figure out that they're not working. Many have gotten COVID more than once and getting the shots. Long COVID. You hear about that all the time. That's part of this whole thing. Overall, infection-acquired immunity decreased the risk of hospitalization and death from a COVID reinfection by 88%. In comparison, previous studies have shown the efficacy of two COVID shots wanes to below zero by month number six. That means the effectiveness, it becomes negative, making you more prone to get COVID again than you were before. What's more, the effectiveness of the first COVID booster, it drops from 57 to 41% within one month. The problem of saying, I'm going to get infected to get immunity, is you might be one of those people that end up in the hospital or die. Why would you take the risk when you can get immunity through vaccination quite safely. That came from the study author, Dr. Christopher Murray, director of the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington, which, by the way, is another Bill and Melinda Gates-funded outfit. Listen, do what you think is best for you. If the fear of COVID, if the fear of COVID has taken control of your life. Maybe you should consider getting a vaccination. If you've made it this long, I got to be honest with you. It, it, would be, it would not make good sense for you to get vaccinated. But what we do here is we give you all the facts, good and bad, true and false, and we trust you to make your own decisions. I want you to please forgive me for my uproarious language today on the show. I'm just hacked off about people that we trusted and people that we should be able to trust because they work for us. We hire them to give us good information. We find out they've been lying over and over and over and over again. This president is dishonest. He was dishonest when he was vice president. Dr. Anthony Fauci is dishonest. He's been dishonest since the first day he stepped on the stage at the White House briefing, the very first one. He's dishonest. Who pays the price for all this dishonesty? 
we the people do. And we pay it, literally, with our money. But in Dr. Fauci's case, we pay it literally with our health and with our futures and with our lives. That should trouble every American. We've got to get past it. But what do I say here all the time? Nothing changes if nothing changes. You guys have a great Monday. I'll see you tomorrow. You sheltered me from harm, kept me warm, kept me warm. You gave my life to me, set me free, set me free.